Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 12. Paul would write to the church of Rome. Romans 6, chapter 12. He would say, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God. Think about that statement. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Boy, that's a promise. Come on. That's a promise. We're in a better covenant, the Bible says, with better promises. And you want to know one of the best promises? Sin shall not have dominion over you. Come on. Hallelujah. That's good stuff. Sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield... That word yield is popping up a whole lot in these scriptures. Notice that. Yield yourselves servants to obey. His servants you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. I want to read this verse 17 and verse 16. Bear with me. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart. You have obeyed from the heart. heart you on. were servants of sin. But your heart said. Your heart said there's a better way. Your heart said I don't have to be a servant to sin. Your heart said there's an answer. Your heart said whatever you're going through. There's an answer. And his name is Jesus. And when you've obeyed that by the heart. When you've obeyed that. When you've obeyed that. It says this. Hallelujah. You've obeyed that from the heart, this form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being made free from sin, you have became the servants of righteousness. And I want to use just for a few moments. I won't hold you long. Servants, yielding yourself servants unto God. That's my title tonight, yielding yourself servants unto God. Let's pray just for a moment. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. For your presence. We feel your presence, Lord. We thank you for your touch, Lord. We praise you, Lord. And we cannot live without you, Lord. We are nothing without Christ. But we ask that you would take this word, Lord, and sow it into the hearts and lives of those who are here. We ask it in the name of Jesus. And everybody here says, Amen. Amen. I heard something earlier, and I want to bring this out to you all. I thought it was really interesting. And I didn't know this, but Harvard, the college, it started out as a seminary college, a Bible college. I never thought that. I've always known that Harvard was one of the most prestigious places that anyone could attend college. And that, that was where the, 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 the brainiacs went to college. Well, in the 1700s, Harvard was started out to be a seminary Bible college. But we see as it, as it strayed and began to get farther from the Lord and more into what it is now. Secular uh, um, education. Come on. And sometime in the mid-1700s, 
Two of the professors, the most profound professors from Harvard, would begin to travel. It was during the winter time. Now these professors had came to the university because they were, I mean, they were profound professors. They were going to teach these students in a very great way. But there was something about these professors. They were atheists. They didn't believe in the Word of God. They didn't believe that the Bible was God's Word. They didn't believe it. They would begin to travel during the winter. It was sometime in February and or December, the coldest months. And they would go, and as they would go to travel by horse and buggy in that time, they would find themselves trapped in a snowstorm where the snow was bitter cold, the temperature was below zero, and they found themselves trapped in this storm, trying to find somewhere shelter of some type for warmth so they could make it through the night. Eventually, they would see a light in the distance as they was traveling through horse and buggy. They barely could see their hand in front of their face, but they would see this light. They would begin to travel to this light, and finally they would come upon a house this house was in the middle of this snowstorm. They couldn't have, it was impossible that they found it. But somehow they found it. They seen this light. So they would go up and, and they knew they had to do something. They couldn't stay out in this storm. They would go up to the door of this house and knock. And an elderly man would come to the door. Now by the looks of this elderly man that I'm talking about at this house, he didn't look good. He looked like he was mad at the world maybe. You know, he looked like... He was just old and unfriendly. They, they said there was, they just knew that they were going to get turned down. And they were questioning within themselves, even if he allowed them to, to come in their house, his house, did they really want to? Could they trust this man by the looks of him? Well, they asked the man and they told him that they had nowhere to stay. They was in the middle of this snowstorm. The man would say, yes, come on in. That's fine. You come on in and I'll, I'll let you sleep tonight in my bed, in my bedroom, and I'll sleep on the floor in this other room. Well, they went and they got in the bedroom and neither of them could go to sleep because they just didn't trust this man. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't feel comfort to go to sleep. And they, they just kept talking amongst each other trying to figure out what they should do. And as they began to grow tired during the night, they decided they would go crack the door and figure out what the man was doing because they were just worried about him. He was just that kind of person. You look at him and you can't judge people by what they look like. No, but mm -hmm. They looked at this man and they said they're worried about him. Come on. One said to the other, what if we both go to sleep and the, he, he murders us in our sleep? What if, what if we go to sleep and, 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 and he sets the house up? I mean, we don't trust this man. So he would tell the other one, well, okay, go check and see what he's doing. He would go crack the door and he would look at the, as this man was sitting in his living room. He would turn back to the other professor. Remember, they were atheists, did not believe in the Lord. He would look at the other professor and he would say, it's okay. You can rest at ease. The man said to him, why? The other professor said, why? What makes you think that? He looked at him and he said, because... When I seen him, he was reading the Bible. You can rest at ease. Hmm. So they both closed their eyes. And they placed their life on the line for something they didn't even believe. The Word of God. Mm -hmm. 
They went to sleep and rested that night and got up the next day and left. And I want you to understand something. You have placed your life and your complete faith in this Word. Amen. And He has never failed you on. one time. Yes. These men who didn't even believe, when they seen that this man was reading the Bible, they said, we're going to be alright. They staked their lives on the Word of God, just like you and I. But you can rest assured that if He said it in this Word, you can believe it and you can trust Him. Every promise is yours. You can trust that He's there for you. And in Hebrews, we see that, that Paul would say, I believe he wrote Hebrews, some may not, I don't know. But whoever wrote Hebrews would say that we have a better covenant mm -hmm. with better promises. Amen. And that's what I was talking about. You've got great promises yes. in the Word of God. Amen. Let me tell you, this world promises a whole lot of things. But it's maybe or maybe not. But you can rest assured that what God has said to you, it doesn't matter what comes to pass. It doesn't matter what you face. He's never lost one. He's never let down one person. That's good. He's never failed one. You're in here tonight and you're concerned about what you're going through. You're worried about what you're facing. But I'm here to tell you, there's no reason to worry. All you've got to do is believe and trust. And He will bring you through. That song says, why should I worry? Why should I fear? When the very same Jesus is always near. You have no reason to worry. You have no reason to worry. I'm, I've came to an understanding after... Living for the Lord that... And this, this, this is going to blow some of y'all's minds. I've decided and studied long enough to... And I've been a Christian long enough to realize that... Living for the Lord is not easy. <laughs> Somebody's like, oh really? It's not easy. Sometimes... You're going to feel... Like throwing in the towel. You're going to feel like. Giving up. But let me tell you. As God told me one time. As I was starting out in ministry. And I, I was just, just. Just pressure was building in me. And God told me. That if in my spirit. He spoke to me. And he said if you won't quit JT. If you won't stop, it may be hard. You may begin to go slow at times. But if you won't stop, if you won't give up, I won't give up on you. He said, I won't give up on you. And he's never turned one down. It's came to him. The Bible says that we were lost in our trespasses. That we were Bound by sin. And the harsh fact of that reality was that we were not going to make it to heaven. We were in a position where we were going to end up spending life eternally separated from God. From His presence. From everything that He has prepared for us. We were in a state, in a place of complete sorrow. 
We were turning bitter in our heart, some of us. Some of us were turning our joy. It was turning to bitter. Everything we had was turning bitter. And, and, and everything was turning bad in our lives. At one point in time, there's some of you in here that was going down a road that was leading so far from God that, that, you, that you was almost about to the end of the cliff. Amen. Some of you guys maybe not don't have that story, but you were in the predicament to where you were not saved. Amen. You were lost. And that lost feeling is hard. Now listen, it may seem pleasurous at times. It may seem pleasurous to just do the not Christian thing. But understand this, sin only pleasures for a season. Amen. Only for a season. It doesn't last. Sin has taken many, many souls for a ride that they were not expecting. We were in this predicament where we were enjoying these things, but at the same time, we were bound. Bound for eternity without God. But the Bible says, but God, who was rich in mercy... Who He loved us with a great love. Let me tell you, He's rich in mercy. Do you know what mercy is in here tonight? Do you understand what mercy is? Grace is the goodness to God to undeserving people. But mercy is getting what you do not deserve. We deserve judgment. We deserve failure. We deserve destruction. But God, but God, who was rich in mercy. Glory. He's rich in mercy. Some Christians need to understand mercy. You didn't deserve what you got. There's nothing you could have did to earn it. But God, who is rich in mercy. There's nothing that we can do. I believe some people think that they have earned their salvation through what they've done. And through what acts they did. I believe some people believe that because they're better than this person, that makes them saved. I believe some people think that. But what we've got to understand, there's nothing that we can do to earn anything from God. It's all given by grace. We don't deserve it. But God is rich in mercy. Mercy. About that, that song... Gordon Moat wrote. It says, I stood in the courtroom. The judge turned my way. And he said, it looks like you're guilty. They all said, all the jury, not the judge. The, the jury said, looks like you're guilty. What do you say? And he said, I spoke up. Your honor. I have no defense. But the song says that's when mercy walked in. Let me tell you, Satan has tried to tell God that you're guilty, that there's no chance that you can turn around. He's tried to tell God that there's no hope in you. But God looks at Satan and says, I see a child that I bought with a price. Mercy. Paul was a man that was sinful. The Apostle Paul was not always the Apostle Paul. 
We know Him as one of the greatest individuals in the history of the work of God. Really, apart from Jesus Christ, He had one of the greatest impacts on this earth. But He was not always that person. He was not always the one that the church looked to. But at times in His past, He was the one that the church ran from. He says that I was the, the chief among sinners. Paul made his living by persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. He would take women and children, bound, and put them in the harsh prison where they would endure beatings, where the guards, the, 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 the Roman guards would spit on them and say, Who's your God now? Just like they would say to Jesus as they would hit his face. They would punch him and say, prophesy uh -huh. who punched you if you're the son of God. Mm. Paul would drag believers to persecutions and sometimes to their death. He was a man that lived a life of sin. Before that, his name was Saul. Saul of Tarsus. But I want you to understand something. The world may know you as Saul, but when you come to Christ, you get a new name. Yes, amen, amen. And not only a new name, but one that's written down in the Lamb's Book yes. of Life. Boy, do y'all realize what kind of book that is? That's a book that says beside your name. It says this one right here, I love. This one right here, I'm, I'm going to bless it. This one right here, I'm going to take care of it. This one right here, I'm going to heal it. This one right here, I'm going to deliver it. This one right here, this one will spend eternity in heaven. That's what the Lamb's book is all about. And Paul would find himself. In the midst of sin. And let me tell you, you may think, well, I need to get everything straightened out before I can come to God. He'll save you right where you are. That's it. It takes, you can take a thousand steps in the wrong direction. You can take 10,000 steps away from God. But it only takes one. It only takes one. It only takes one to get back. Hallelujah. Come on. And Paul, when he walking to Damascus, he would see a bright light come from heaven. And it would blind his eyes. Mm -hmm. And he would give his heart and life to Christ. And what the devil meant for harm. Mm -hmm. What was a life of failure was turned around. And he was one of the greatest church fathers. Mm -hmm. He would go from church to church and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And eventually, this man that killed Christians, that, that said Jesus Christ is Lord. Anybody that said that, he, would, he hated them. But this same man, at the end of his journey, would give his life because he would not deny Jesus Christ. He would say there's a crown, Timothy. Don't worry about me. He said, don't worry about me. Don't worry 
You may, uh, my journey may come to an end, but there's a crown waiting. Yeah. There's a crown laid up. There's a crown laid up. Emily, there's a crown laid up. There's a crown laid up. Yes. He said, I fought the good fight. I finished my course. Yes. He said to Timothy, just keep on. Keep your eyes on Christ. And what I use as my text, I'm not so much getting to say what I want to say. He told Timothy, press toward Christ. He told the church of Philippi, this one thing I do. He said, I forget that which is behind. What's behind it? A life of sin. A life that was bound. And he was a servant to sin. He served sin. He did things he didn't want to do. He did things that were terrible. He served sin. What you may not understand is that before you came to Christ, in some way or another, you were a servant to the sin nature. You had a sinful nature that controlled your life. You did things, and when you did them and, and, and they were bad, you no longer felt the guilt. You no longer felt like you was doing anything wrong because you were serving Sin. But Paul said, I forget those things. You want to know what you can have by coming to Christ. You're going to lose some things. You're going to have to let go of some things. But what you lose is a life of sin. What you lose is heartache. What you lose is pain. What you're losing these things. You're losing sadness. You're losing the, 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 the times when you're doing things that you're not proud of. You're losing those things. And you're gaining eternal life in, in heaven with Jesus. You're gaining every promise that's in this book. When you turn to Christ. Paul said, I forget those things that are behind me. And I reach unto that as before. And he said, if there's anything I've learned, I've not apprehended, he said. But if there's anything I've learned, I'm not perfect, he said. But if there's anything I've learned, it is to press toward Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Praise Come on. Hallelujah. He said, I press toward the high prize of the, the calling of the high prize of God in Christ Jesus. There's a prize. In Christ Jesus. And Paul would write these words and later give his life for Christ. Paul would write this passage that I am using tonight as my text. And he would say this. This man that we've just learned about. Think of the life that he had been through. And he would say this, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey the lusts thereof. Then he would say this, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. He would say, But yield your members, yield yourselves unto God. 
as those that are alive from the dead. Do you want to, do you want to see something? I'm going to show you something here tonight. The reason that you can have a, a new life, the reason that you can stand holy before God, the reason your name can be written in the Lamb's book of life is because you are alive from the dead. Now, I'm not saying y'all are zombies. Don't, don't hear me. That Robert watches that walking dead. And I'm I trying to pray it out of him. I don't know how he does it. But you're alive from the dead. Come on. What does that mean? You're crucified. What does it say in Galatians 2.20? For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. But then it says, not I. What? 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 That just don't make sense. We're just talking about signs. And, and Robert is an expert in signs. And Brandy has a science test about matter. Robert said, well, that don't really matter. He said, but there is a lot of mass in that matter. Come on. And he said, I was singing that song. I was singing, he's coming back on a silver cloud of glory. And Robert repeated me and said, he's coming back on a silver train through Grundy. Come on now. He's coming to get us. He's coming to get us. There's only one Robert Wilson in existence. And he stands in the back corner of the church. And Emily just can't handle him sometimes. She has to laugh at him out loud here in church. I mean, she's LOLing back there in the third pew at him the whole time. Come on now. What was I at? What was I even talking about? I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. There's something inside of me that's telling me not to do the wrong anymore. That's something on my heart. The king of my heart is saying, don't do this. He's telling me that's wrong. He's telling me this. It's not what you need to do. Thank you, Lord. When you give your life to Christ before then, the king of your heart is sin. You're serving that. But when you give your life to Christ, He becomes the king of your heart. And when you do something you're not supposed to do, it feels bad sometimes, don't it? And you know it too. I mean, you know it. Sometimes you go, sometimes the Holy Spirit absolutely takes you to the woodshed. But I'm glad He does. Amen. And Christ is the king of your heart. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Thank you, that. The king of your heart. And he goes on down to say, You're no longer a servant to sin. Sin has no dominion over you. Sin is great. It is it is strong. But there's one thing that's stronger. Yes. It is great. There's no greater law than the law of sin and death, except one law. And that's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Some of y'all need to hear that. The law of sin and death is great, but there's one that's greater. There's one that's that's bigger. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ is greater. And as long as He's the King of your heart, as long as you're alive, from the dead. Mm-hmm. 
You don't have to serve sin. But there's so many Christians and there's so many that aren't Christians. And sin has dominion in their life. What did I say earlier? The Bible says that Moses chose to suffer afflictions with the people of God instead of enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. A season of pleasure. Come on. I'm going to say this and I'll, I'll, I'll close for tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. He told the woman at the well, I want you to draw me some water. Jesus said to that woman, she was lost. She was in sin. She was living a life. We all know she had, the Bible goes on to say, Jesus would, would uh, uh, recognize her sin. And, and the Bible goes on to say that she had five husbands and the one she was living with at the time was not her husband. Mm-hmm. And in that time, now, nowadays, you know, but in that time, that was worthy of being stoned. Come on. And this woman comes up to the well. Nobody liked her. Everybody, nobody could stand her. She was even unclean to touch in that time. If you touched her, Mm -hmm. you was unclean too. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you, when nobody else cares for you, when everybody else counts you out, when everybody else says you have no chance, Jesus comes to the well. And she would come to the well that day to draw from the well. But Jesus would sit there. The Bible says He must need to go through Samaria. He's coming through your way. Come on, He's coming your way. And He would say, Woman, would you draw water for me? And now that at that time, it was wrong for a Jew, Jesus, to have any dealings with the Samaritans. They were enemies. Mm -hmm. And she said, I can't believe you'd even talk to me. That's right. Come on. And she said, But besides that, the well, this is what I want you to hear tonight, is deep. And I have nothing to draw with. And then he would say, well, if you would have drawn for me, I would have given you living waters. And he said, all. She said, and and besides that, this well, Jacob, he left it to us. Mm -hmm. She said, this well is is the well that Jacob left to us. Is there any greater? And he would say to her, listen, I know what you said about this well. But if you come to this one, you will thirst again. But if you'll drink from the water that I shall give you, you'll never thirst. But a well will spring up inside of you. It'll spring up unto everlasting life. Now, as I'm closing, I want to see God, God, God wants us to hear this tonight. What she said about that well. She said, this well is deep. And I have nothing to draw with. That's the well of the world. It's deep. And understand this. If you know what a well is at the bottom, there's water. But you have to go all the way to the bottom. Come on, come on. It's dark. The deeper you go down, the darker it gets. But to get a drink, you've got to go deep and deep and deep. Come on. That well will take you deeper and darker the farther you go down.
It looks good from the outside. It looks like a whale. When you see a whale, you think water. It looks good. But when you get in the whale and begin to go down and go down and go down, deeper and deeper and deeper, when you get to the bottom, you have nothing to draw with. You may get a little water in your hands and maybe put some in your in your mouth and drink it that way, but you have nothing to draw with. Yes. Sin will take you deeper mm-hmm. and darker. And it will take you all the way to the bottom. Amen. To the bottom. And leave you with nothing to draw with. Think of that. Being a servant. Bound. Going deeper and deeper. But the whale, she would say, what's this living waters you're talking about? Living waters. What's that mean? It means anything that touches. Anything it touches. It may have been dead. It may have been dried out. It may have been, it may have been dry and withered, but anything that living water touches, it brings life to it. It bring, it makes it bloom again. It may be withered, but if that living water touches it, it makes it bloom again. And he said, besides, he said, if you'll take this water, you'll never thirst again. Never. You'll never thirst again. Think of that. When you come to Christ, like we talked about, you're going to face hard times, but you'll never thirst. He has never forsaken one. Every time you feel like that this is the end of the road, He shows up every time. When you're in the fire, He shows up in the fire for you. And He said, this will, it's not all the way at the bottom. You don't have to go real deep to get this one. This one is overflowing. He said it's springing up. What does that mean? Have you ever seen a hot spring? It just shoots out of the ground. If you'll come to Christ, everything you need will overflow. David said my cup overflows. Everything I need is in Christ. This well is springing up. Come on. And then this well is everlasting. It's everlasting. It lasts forever. This well does. Yielding yourselves unto Christ. There's only one way to do that. It's to realize who you are. Be honest with yourself. Satan will try to tell you, that's all right. Don't worry about that. He'll try to tell you, "Just, just look over that. Just ignore it. That's a lie. Be honest. It start, that's where it starts. It starts with being honest with ourselves. And realizing who we are. Realizing, as Paul said, I'm nothing. There's nothing good in my flesh. But he said, he that is within me is greater. He that is within me is so much greater. That well that's within me is so much greater than everything. It's greater, ain't it, Caleb? There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It's greater than everything. Come on. All you've got to do to yield yourself to Christ is realize your condition. Realize that you're in need of Him. 
Don't rely on yourself any longer. Don't rely on the world any longer. Turn it over to Christ. Come to the piano if you don't mind. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. There's a lot of influence in this world. There's a pull, and it's a hard pull. It's not an easy pull. Satan doesn't give up easy. Mm-hmm. Write that down. He doesn't, he doesn't give up easy. Remember that. There's a pull. And it's telling somebody in here right now, don't, don't worry about it. That pull is telling somebody in here, just, just forget about it. That pull is telling somebody in here, it's not worth it, it's not true. But it's a pull from Satan. There's an influence in this world from people around you, from people in your life. But I'm here to tell you, don't let those people pull you any longer. That's right, that's right. Don't let those people, Mary knows, don't let those people pull you. Don't let those people make your decision for you. Say, I don't care what the world does. I don't care what anybody else does. I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Play softly just for a moment. Everybody in here, would you just bow your heads? Give me Jesus. Hallelujah. God has spoken tonight and He's spoken to you. You know exactly who you are. You know exactly what you're facing. You know exactly what you're going through. But I want you to understand something. You're worrying about what people would think. You're worrying about what was going to happen. But I'm here to tell you, just, just don't worry about what people think. Start worrying about what God thinks. And don't worry about what's going to happen. Give it all to Christ and Amen. He will take complete and entire control. Paul would I imagine saying this song, I have decided to follow Jesus. He would sing that song. Yes. And I want you to understand those words are the greatest words you could say. I have decided to follow Jesus. With every head bowed in this place and every eye closed, no one looking around. I promise I won't embarrass you tonight and I won't. I won't embarrass you, I promise. But if you're in this place and you're at a crossroad and there's two choices before you, there's one that is the world and there's one that's Jesus. If you're in this place and you're willing to choose Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. If you're in this place and that's it, there's there's a hand. If you're in this place and you're willing to choose Christ Jesus, let me encourage you, it's the best decision you'll ever make. You'll lose everything that's bad and gain everything that's good. If there's one in here that would say, I need to, I need to follow Jesus. I've not been doing it like I should lately, but I need to follow Him. 
Just slip your hand up. I promise I won't embarrass you. I promise I won't embarrass you in this place. There's a few hands in this place. There's a few hands in this place. God is moving in this place. Hallelujah. I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. As she sings this, I want everybody in this place to stand. Go with me. Still I will decide tonight and tell Satan I'm following Jesus no matter what I'm following Jesus that don't mean that 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 
these are unsaved. They're just deciding and declaring tonight that I am following Jesus Christ. And I want y'all to just come up here and stand and just face this way. Just gather behind them if you feel led and just put your hands on them tonight right now. Sing it again. I have decided. I have decided. Just gather around. Hallelujah. To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Oh, yes. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Sometimes we need to say, Satan, I'm following Jesus no matter what. Though none go with me, I still will follow. That's right. Hallelujah. And I want you all just to repeat with me this prayer. Hallelujah. Just repeat after me. I have decided, I have decided to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. Right now. I'm making a declaration that no matter what, I will follow Jesus Christ. And I know that I can't, but I know that God can. And right now, I turn my back to this world into everything. And I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Say it like you're saying it to the devil. I have decided to follow Jesus. Say it one more time. Oh, yes. I have decided to follow
guys. I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of each of y'all. We as Christians and believers in, in any way, we should never in any circumstance be ashamed to say I'm following Jesus. And I have decided to follow Jesus. And I want you guys, each of you, to understand something. It doesn't matter what you face, what you're going through. Keep on telling the devil, devil, I have decided to follow Jesus. And I'm not turning back. Tell him, I'm not turning back. There's nothing you can do to make me turn back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Give God a hand clap. No, 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 go with me. I have decided to follow. Just worship Him just for a moment. No, no, God a big old thing. We love our youth.